Amen. Yes, we can give the Lord a round of applause. Absolutely. Amen. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, we welcome you guys to our Christmas Eve service, our second one of today. And so we're so thankful that you chose to be with us today to worship uh, our Savior Jesus, but to celebrate uh, Christmas together. This is an awesome thing. And so I want to welcome you and welcome uh, any of the guests that we may have. I know we've got those who are in overflow as well uh, during this time. And so I want to welcome you guys. Uh, this is always a great tradition uh, to be able to come together with our family and friends and to gather with our church family uh, to celebrate, you know, again, the true meaning of Christmas, the, you know, truly what it is that we celebrate, the birth of a Savior. And I know for me, I've shared many times, this brings back great Memories for me as a, as a kid growing up in the church of going to that Christmas Eve service with my family. My dad's pastored at Kimsville for the last 30 years, and so this was a, a memory of mine as a kid, even before we moved here, of just going to, to gather with God's people to celebrate the birth of, of Jesus. And we had some built-in traditions. Now, some of you may have some built-in traditions, but before we go there, over the last couple of Sunday mornings, I've been checking up on you guys. I've been asking how many of you still need to buy presents, but I'm not going to do that at this service. Because I don't want to embarrass you guys, okay? Because some of you may still need to go out after this service. I, I was told at the last service, Walmart stays open until 5. So y'all still got time after this service to even get to Walmart, do whatever you need to do. But I'm not going to require you to raise your hands because uh, your, my, your wife beside you might, I'm assuming it would be a guy, but your wife beside you might be upset that you haven't finished. But great traditions for us. And so I share that to say, well, as a kid going to these services, I would say to my dad all the time, Dad, share the gospel, share the story of Christmas uh, but don't speak too long. Like that was always what I would say to uh, my dad. And, and he always uh, never assured me that he would do that. And so we would go home afterwards and we would gather as a family and we would get to open one gift. Anybody else have that tradition? Anybody have that tradition? We get to open one gift on Christmas Eve. But there was a catch to it, right? I've told you this before that my mom and dad got to pick out the gift of what we were going to open. And every single time, what was the package that my mom would pick out? She would pick out a pair of pajamas. So my parents weren't the only clever people to come up with this idea. And so on the Sundays where I'm like, or on the times where I'm like, dad, you spoke too long. We now get two gifts. Like I would barter gifts by like by how long he would preach. But anyway, I was like, we get two gifts. So not only do we get a pair of pajamas, we get a pair of socks, right answer. So pajamas and, and socks, right? And so there was one Christmas, let me tell you this. There was one Christmas, I was nine years old, that my mom thought she would be clever and put things in packages where we couldn't recognize them right away. But there was a problem with that. If we couldn't recognize them, guess who else couldn't recognize them? <laughs> my mom has a tendency to forget some things every now and then. And so she put our pajamas in like these boxes and then wrapped them so that we didn't know that they were the normal pajama packages. And then the night, Christmas Eve, we go to our Christmas Eve service. We go home, we go out to dinner, we go home. And so then I'm like, all right, it's time to open a gift. And I saw a blank stare upon my mom's face. And I'm like, well, mom, dad, which gift are we supposed to pick? She's like, uh, I really don't remember what I put in these packages. And I saw my dad's look upon my mom's face. And I knew that she had messed up. So I opened up my gift. And rather than it being pajamas, it was a bright yellow motorcycle helmet. Yeah, I was excited. So for all year, I had been asking for a motorcycle. But first of all, who gives their nine-year-old child a motorcycle? But my parents did. So they gave me a motorcycle at night. So I opened it up, and it's a bright yellow helmet. And I see the look upon my father's face to my mom. And I knew that that look either followed something my mom did or said. So I knew she had done something wrong in that moment. And so I said, I'm getting a motorcycle. I'm getting a motorcycle. My dad said, no, 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 no. Maybe you're getting a skateboard. I'm like, well, Dad, first of all, I didn't ask for a skateboard. Number two, 
I don't know how to ride a skateboard. Number three, if you got me a skateboard and you got me a yellow helmet to wear with that, the only reason that helmet should be yellow is because it's matching my yellow motorcycle. And so if it is a skateboard, I'm very disappointed in you guys. I remember saying that. So say all that to say, guess who got a motorcycle that year? That's what I'm talking about. I got marks on my body to this day because of that motorcycle. But today is a celebration of the main thing. We go through all of our traditions. There are going to be gift exchanges. You're going to do that whether it's tonight or tomorrow. My challenge to you has been over these last three to four weeks is to keep the main thing the main thing. And we're going to see the main thing. Take your Bibles very quickly, if you would, tonight, this afternoon. And stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word. I just want to go to Luke chapter 2. And I want to read the Christmas story. Now, again, if you've been with us uh, on Sunday mornings, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We went through the first seven verses And just very quickly for about 10 minutes tonight, I'm not going to preach a 40-minute sermon. I'm going to uh, fulfill the, 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 the desires of even young Heath. We're going to keep it short here tonight, but it is the message of Christmas. It is the story of Christmas. And so as we go to Luke chapter 2, we're reading the words of history. We know that, right? As you go to Luke 1, he's declared right up front that these aren't fables, these aren't nursery rhymes, that this is history. I'm giving an historical account of what took place. And you'll see elements of that as he identifies the place, as he identifies the time. There's historical elements to the story that shows us that this isn't just some made-up story. This is history. And the Bible declares the event in the greatest history of the world right here, beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. It says this, And it came to pass, in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because of his house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary because of his betrothed wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And then in one simple statement, the beginning of verse 7, declares the greatest event in the history of the world. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped them in swaddling clothes, laid them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. Now they were there in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude now of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can gather tonight, Lord, to celebrate the birth of our Savior, that we can celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, as we open your word this morning, Lord, we know that, or this afternoon, we know that we are reading a historical account that 2,000 years ago, in Bethlehem, there was born a baby. This was a baby that had been promised for hundreds upon hundreds of years as a promised Messiah who would come to be born of a virgin, sinless, perfect, that would live a perfect life. The whole point of his birth was to lead to his death. We thank you that this baby born in a manger lived a perfect life and died on a cross so that we as sinful men and women may be forgiven of our sins and have the promise of eternal life. And so, Lord, may that main thing right there 
May that be what we keep close to us as we celebrate Christmas. May you be glorified in this hour. We pray it, we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. So very quickly, this afternoon, you know, I shared with uh, you know, many of our people over these last couple of weeks that the challenge that God had laid upon my heart, I know especially this year, was to really just come at this story you know, with fresh eyes. As a kid growing up in the church, and I know many of you can relate, you've heard the story, you've seen the story, you've, you've, you've heard it sung, and you've, you've seen it played out in plays or, or whatever. You've heard messages of the story. And I know for me what can happen, right? I mean, you hear the story so many times that sometimes if you're not careful, things can just kind of wash over you. You know, the, the extraordinary events that take place in this story, but yet the ordinary elements of it, it's very intriguing. And as you know, we've walked through chapter one that, that talks about that, 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 you know, that, that Luke has declared that I'm giving you an account of history. The Bible talks about after 400 years of silence of how the angel Gabriel appears to Zacharias. We see that, right? Promising John the Baptist. We know that there's the appearance of Gabriel to Mary promising the arrival of a child that she, being a virgin, would conceive a child of the Holy Spirit. You come to Luke 2, and here it is, right? I mean, here it is that it came to pass, as Paul says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, in God's perfect timing, he brought forth his son. And we see it all take place through the verses of the Gospels. And if you're not careful, you can miss so much. One of the things that jumps out off the pages for me is verse 8. Look at what it says here if you've got your Bibles. It says this, Now there were there in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. One of the things I love about this, you see the grace of God. When you find the arrival of a Savior, that first birth announcement, the greatest birth announcement in the history of the world, and who are the ones that it is taken to? Shepherds. Think about that. This announcement wasn't made in the the court of royalty. This announcement wasn't made not even in, in the temple or among religious leaders. No, this announcement was made to common shepherds, a God of grace, a Savior who has come to all people, to all people. As you follow this a little bit further, you go down into verse 9, right? And if you go down to verse 9, you find this passage right here. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. We've seen this play out now as this is the third appearance of an angel, first to Zechariah, second to Mary. Here we now find these, this angel appearing to these shepherds. Obviously, their reaction, right? They're afraid. Who wouldn't be? And we see that a normal response from the angel is to say, do not be afraid. That this, this is, God has not sent me here for judgment. He has sent me here to give you a great message. What is that message? Man, it's the greatest message for all of us. Look at what it says in verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be, for, be afraid of her. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be, and then he says here, for all people. For there is born for you this day, notice what he says, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Three titles right there. Jesus, Savior, Christ the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. As you look at this passage of Scripture, what do you find? You find that what is the greatest need in the history of the world, the greatest need for your life, the greatest need for my life is the need for forgiveness of sin. Your greatest problem, my greatest problem. So one of the things I love about this passage of Scripture is simply stated, the angel is saying that, hey, God has shown up, God has delivered a promise, and he has brought for you a solution to your greatest problem. He's brought to you a savior. And look at what he says here. 
An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. The light of God shone around them. They were greatly afraid. Do not be afraid, for I bring to you good tidings of great joy that will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. The title Christ means the anointed one. And so as the angel makes this declaration, what is he saying? The one that the prophet spoke of, the one that the prophet Isaiah spoke of 700 years earlier, the one that the prophet Micah spoke of 700 years earlier that would be born in Bethlehem a Savior, the appointed one, the anointed one, the Messiah, this is Christ. And then the angel says what? The Lord, fully God, right? Fully man, that God has become a baby. I mean, again, how mind-boggling is that? Now, I love what happens next. You're going to see the simplicity in this. Notice this. Look at this. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Have you ever wondered, now, why did the angel say that? You know, a lot of times we just find it kind of as the repetition of what happens in the first seven verses, right? As the Bible tells us that, that, that Mary brings forth a child, she wraps them in swaddling clothes and places them in a manger. But why is it so critical that in the announcement of Jesus's birth, that the angel specifically said to the shepherds, okay, this will be the sign. This is how you will know that this is the Christ, the anointed one, that this is the Lord, that this is Jesus, the one who saves. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. Think about it. The shepherds would have never found Jesus. Think about that. Been given those titles, Jesus, Christ, the Lord. And now the angel says, okay, run into Bethlehem, six miles outside of Jerusalem. Run, run into Bethlehem and now go find this king. Go find this Christ. Go find this Lord. I can almost guarantee you that the first place that these shepherds would check would not have been in a manger. So the angel declares, this is how you will know. You will find God coming to us, to all people in the lowest of lows, in a feeding trough of an animal. And then it says this, verse 13 and 14, and we're going to close with it. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. As the angel is making this declaration, the angel speaks of joy. As the angel is making this declaration, the angel speaks of peace. When you think about it, what we celebrate at, Chris, at Christmas as Christians, joy and peace, those are two things that are unique to someone who is walking with Jesus. Apart from Jesus, you can't experience joy, everlasting, unconditional joy. Apart from Jesus, there is no peace. Because think about it, people say it all the time, like, I just need the peace of God. Well, listen, you can't have the peace of God unless you're at peace with God. And the only way for us as sinful men and women to be at peace with God is to have a relationship with this Jesus who came and lived and died and rose again. Paul says these words right here in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified, how? By not religion, not a church membership, not a baptism, justified, justified, declared just before a holy and righteous God. How is that found? It's not found in my actions. It's not found in my morality. No, it's found in my faith in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who now also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in what? In the hope, in the hope of the glory of God. That's Christmas, amen? amen. That's Christmas. And so my prayer for you, and it has been, especially leading into today, Christmas Eve, because I know we get a lot of family 
guests, a lot of people that come in the doors of this church. I just simply ask you, have you called upon this Jesus that we read about, that we sing about, that we talk about? He declares a little bit later on in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, what does he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. What an awesome thing that what we celebrate here tonight is a fulfillment of a promise. Over 300 prophecies of the Old Testament in detail of the coming Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. So what we celebrate tonight, grace, mercy, God's love in spite of us, and the hope of eternity that comes to those who call upon the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. With every head bowed, I'm going to ask you if you would, stand with me at this time as we go to the Lord in prayer. And join with me as we go to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, gathered with our family, Lord, gathered with our friends, Lord, to celebrate Christmas. And Lord, even as we leave this place tonight, we walk through the traditions, many years of traditions that have been passed on, And Lord, what a joyous time it is as we reflect upon what you've done for us. And so Lord, tonight, we lift high the name of Jesus, the one who came, Lord, the one who willingly came. Lord, as we've talked about, born in the feeding trough of an animal, God himself who humbled himself and came to the earth that he created. As the Bible says, for one reason, to seek and to save those who are lost. That's what Christmas is. So Lord, we thank you as sinful men and women who have all sinned and fallen way short of your glory. We thank you that in your love for us, you demonstrated that love, not just declared that love, but demonstrated that love by providing a savior, a redeemer, a promised Messiah, the anointed one came and was born, lived who died, who rose again. And so, Lord, tonight, we lift high the name of Jesus. May the name of Jesus be quick to our minds, to our hearts, as we gather with our family, our children, our grandchildren, as we celebrate the work of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We give you praise for that. It's in that son's name that we pray, the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas.